ministry or, or in our ministry, my wife and I, you know, I, I hope to speak the truth in love so much so that it would make them uncomfortable to that they have to go discover it for themselves. You know, don't get mad at me. God said it, right? I think that's a, an indication of a person's desire for righteousness in their own lives when they question it. Greater Joy Podcast, brought to you by the pastors here at Grace Baptist Church, because we want for our people what Jesus wants for his people, and that's to know greater joy. By stepping into the areas that we are fully convinced are areas of no greater joy, uh, for God's people, that's being a 24-7 worshiper, a go-person, and an alongsider. I'm Pastor Steve Strong, lead pastor here at Grace. Sitting right across from me is... Ryan Atkins, the associate pastor here at Grace. And to my right is... Jared Strong, intern. He's our intern for the summer. And then uh, we have a special guest with us today, personal friend, a friend at Grace Baptist Church, and uh, also chaplain for the Cleveland Browns, Mr. Robert Brooks. Robert Brooks. Robert, awesome. Good morning. Glad you are here. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Good to be able to talk with you about a certain topic we'll introduce here in a minute. But why don't you just take a little second and uh, you can introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about your family, your ministry, all that good stuff. Oh, okay. Well, again, my name is Robert Brooks. My beautiful wife's name is April, and we have five children starting from age 13 to age 22. So our nest is uh, always full. Uh, We have one that will be going to grad school here. Our oldest, Trey, will be at grad school in Chicago at North Park University. And Jasmine is a junior at NYU. She's studying film and television. And Caleb is, will be our freshman. He's our 18-year-old. He'll be at Bowling Green State University here uh, next month. So we only have two at home. Uh, so we have a lot of room. So I'm looking at renting them out. Ooh. <laughs> renting your kids out. Yes. And their rooms. And their rooms. Yeah. All right. Very good. <laughs> and so uh, you, you're with the Cleveland Brown. How long, how long have you been chaplaining? Oh, gosh. We've been 18 years with Athletes in Action, yep. which is a Campus Crusade for Christ or a crew ministry. Uh, we've served here now in Cleveland. This is season 12. Nice. So I'm on my eighth head coach in my 12th <laughs> season. 14th quarterback. And <laughs> I, I lost count. With, yeah. Very good. Yeah. And uh, you were on some college campuses also. Yes. As chaplain ministry. What were some of those? Yes. Prior to coming to Cleveland... Uh, we were at the University of Pittsburgh yep. and Robert Morris University for six and a half years. Started out at Pitt there with Dave Wanstead, who yeah, was yeah, a yeah. coach who called and uh, who knew a friend. Uh, we had a friend in common, and uh, he called, and I was praying about where the Lord would send us, and we ended up coming to Pittsburgh. Then a few years into that, we started another ministry at Robert Morris University, uh, which both ministries are still going strong. Very good. Yep, student-led now, so it's great. That's good. Where do you call home? Where'd you grow up? Home is Herndon, Virginia. If you've heard anything about Washington Dulles, the airport right there. Well, my home is about 10 minutes from the airport. Uh, I was born and raised there. My grandmother raised me. And uh, my father and my stepmother still live there and my my brothers. So they're still in in Fairfax. I'm the only one that left. You flew the roof. Flew the coop. All right. 
Well, Robert, appreciate you giving some of your time and uh, jumping in on this discussion. Uh, the last couple episodes, well, actually the last three, we've had some people here at Grace sharing their gospel collision stories, what we're calling them for this year. Um, just their salvation testimonies. If uh, if you haven't listened to those, we'd encourage you to, to go back and to listen. I think you'd be uh, edified with them. And prior to those stories, we were looking at, wow, it's been an, a number of episodes. We were talking about spiritual growth categories that we see in Scripture. We talked about what is a biblical understanding of conversion, and then two episodes talking about spiritual growth um, oh, what do we call them? Uh, spurts. Yes. There it is. <laughs> Lost the word. I'm too. like, the Rolodex is moving through it my head. Something. What do we call it? It was something. Spiritual growth spurts. So what are the things that God uses just to kind of propel beyond the normal, regular, ordinary kind of spiritual disciplines? And so we talked about trials and difficulties, things that uh, God uses just to kind of uh, – well, he wants us to stay put and to learn in the t- in the trials and difficulties. We talked about uh, fatherly discipline, the things that God is using. Uh, we described that as kind of a loving restraint through the work of the Holy Spirit, also through the church. Loving restraint on certain things that will threaten, uh, or he, he is going to work to kind of threaten disordered loves in our lives. And we gave a whole bunch of questions to kind of um, use in times of difficulty or discipline. All right, was what's God doing here? But you're going to have to listen to episode 27 to go and review those questions. And um, so we took two episodes. What are the things that God will use as a spiritual growth spurt to help grow spurts in our lives? Well, these next two episodes we want to talk about what are spiritual growth stunters in our lives and how we need to dodge them, stay clear of them, and understand them. And uh, we have a couple passages of Scripture that we want to kind of highlight land in for a little bit second peter chapter two and jude verse uh three and four um but before we get to those want to maybe bat around a little bit here about our adversary i think it's probably important that we understand well one that we have an adversary and number two uh how he is described and how he is at work um to try to hinder this core concern that God has for our own spiritual growth. So um, let me just kind of throw on the table here. How is Satan described as our adversary? What do our people need to understand about our adversary, Satan? Throw it out there. The first thing that comes to mind is deceiver. Yeah. And just uh, Revelation 12, you know, the one who deceives the whole world, that, that idea of that's his role. That's what he's trying to do. That's what he's trying to accomplish. Yeah, he's also a liar. Uh, he, he's the father of lies, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's really intentional mm-hmm. about what he's doing and his deception. He doesn't hide any of it. He, he blatantly, intentionally deceives. Yep. Mm-hmm. Are there specific ways in Scripture that we see him active? How do you guys see him in Scripture, testimony of Scripture? Well, you can go all the way back to... Uh, in Genesis. Yeah, you got him in the garden. <laughs> you got him right in the garden. And, you know, did God really say that? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. he left out yep. you know, the yep. word Lord. And so it, it sounded spiritual, uh, but he, he omits things. Yep. And he's an imitator and, and a deceiver and a liar. So 
uh, that's the first sign uh, uh, that I can recall of, of seeing him in Scripture and how he operates. Mm-hmm. Any others? How else do we see him in Scripture? To go to the New Testament, I was thinking of the temptations of Jesus where it's taking, desiring to take away ascribed glory from God and so tempting, <coughs> though Jesus did not give way to temptation, but in the same way he does so to us and seeking to take our eyes off of God into ourself or to other things. Yeah, I think what's interesting with those temptations is he's trying to draw Jesus away from why Jesus was there. Yeah. Mm. From that mission, you know, hey, you know, I'll offer you all the kingdoms of this world, but Satan's way is going to take him away from the cross, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, but it was through the cross that Jesus would ascend into heaven and make the whole world his footstool. Um, I think also a couple of the passages that we're going to look at are, or in our couple of our passages is referenced um, Balaam in the Old Testament and Numbers and how Balak, one of the opposing kings to the children of Israel as they're wandering, wants Balaam to come and cast a cursed a curse on God's people over, I think, at least four times, and Balaam just can't do it, you know? And I think here's all of, you know, here's our adversary. Satan's not mentioned there, but he's using the surrounding nations. He's using people, using cultures, and I think that's a big way, um, not just in the life of Israel, but also in God's people, we have an adversary who is at work. Mm-hmm. How how do you see him at work today? You know, I I don't know that we talk a whole lot about Satan and his activity, um, but how do you see him at work today? I think it's the same what what Robert pointed out. All these different ideas and coming out of the, even the sexual, secular world and just like liberal theology of like, did God really say? Mm-hmm. And just questioning you know, God's authority, uh, the words of scripture. And then I think even spinning off of that now, I hear a lot of people saying, well, like, I can't, I can't believe God would mean, and then fill in the blank with what they don't agree with. Even though in many times it's very clear in scripture that that is exactly what he said. But just because you can't agree to it doesn't mean he didn't say it, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> you know, when you think about that, uh, he uses groups and uh, culture today. Uh, and really the message is uh, it's uh, because uh, because you can't, you know, change the truth. Just be, You can't change the truth just because you don't like it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see today. Mm-hmm. And they want to change the truth because they don't like it. And because they don't like it, they're just hesitant or just refuse to come in line with, with, with what the truth is. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing when you see all these groups that are rising up today that steer us away from God's word, God's mm-hmm. truth, and they want to change the truth to the effect of drawing you farther and farther and farther away from what God says. Mm-hmm. I, when we think zero now, kind of maybe zero in on a little more specific in what we're talking about, we're talking about within this series, okay, spiritual growth. Christ-likeness, we think of what this primary work that God is doing in his people is 
growing them, molding them into the image of Jesus Christ. Our adversary obviously does not want that. How do we see specifically, and maybe you guys can, you think of some of your own experiences and uh, people in your lives that you're ministering to, that you care about. How do you see our adversary at work hindering, opposing this work of sanctification in God's people? How do you see that? I think he wants us to believe that there's a lack of ability on our part. Okay. Hmm. And because he's always telling you, you can't do that. Or you're not able to do that. You know, I'm not Pastor Steve. You know, Mm -hmm. he's well studied and well versed in scripture. Stop. And so, (laughs) but really, No, 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 truly, it's not the lack of ability. It's a lack of obedience mm-hmm. and doing what God says. And the thing about what God says is it says what it says, and it means what it means, so we need to do what it says. Mm-hmm. And that's how the adversary really works. And, you know, you're not like this person. Because we tend to compare oh, yeah. as humans, right? We yes. want to compare ourselves to, you know, it, it's always like, uh, you know, I'm not Dr. David Jeremiah or <laughs> Dr. Tony Evans, but but I am who God made me to be. So mm-hmm. I have the ability to serve and to do uh, what God has called me to do, and that's all of us, to whatever sphere of influence that where he's placed us. So it's not a lack of ability. It's a lack of obedience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the enemy wants you to think that you're unable to do what God has called you to do. Amen. And I would add even... if. It's not worth doing. Yeah. You know, um, it's <clears throat> this path toward obedience and holiness. I even wrote down, you know, here's this aim to deceive believers away from holiness, obedience, and away from a wholehearted devotion to Christ. Mm-hmm. Like his aim is to work, and <clears throat> whether that's through social media or through false religion, um, our culture as much as we love living in the U.S. and all the freedoms, sometimes just within America and our culture, if, if he can just kind of give a distaste that being wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus Christ is not worth it. It's, uh, it's not worth the time. It's not worth the sacrifice. It's not worth relationships. It's not worth whatever. Um, he... Anyway, I don't know. I don't know if you have something you want to add or throw in there. I think, um, and, and I think you brought out his primary means is deception. And I think with that we kind of see here, Second Peter chapter two and Jude verses three and four. Um, let me read. Let me read Second Peter chapter two. I just want to read the first maybe three, four verses, three verses, and then jump down. Um, I want to make sure I'm getting what I want to be able to say here. But let me just, here's Peter giving a warning. He says, but false prophets also arose among the people. And I think he's thinking back, God's people back in the Old Testament. But he says, just as there will be false teachers among you. Now speaking to his immediate audience and us, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies 
even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Um, down in verse 13, in the middle of it, it says, they are, they are blots and blemishes. They are reveling in their deceptions. While they feast with you, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they've gone astray. They followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. And I like how he just, they are waterless springs, mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. And then in Jude, first couple verses in Jude, and I want to see some parallels. You have Peter writing uh, a warning and concern for believers in the church. Jude also does really the same thing. Verse 3 says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. And then he describes them down in verse 8, yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. I mean, these two, I mean, they really kind of catch my attention here. And I think there's a lot that we can try to or should kind of meditate on and think about. Um, but reading those, what what is Peter and Jude, how are they highlighting Satan's schemes? What is it that we need to th- see from these couple passages? What's important for our people to learn? Let you guys run with this a little bit. There will be false teachers. That's there right. are false teachers. And they're not always obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of Jude, how they kind of they crept in or arose in secrecy or however I'm trying to mm-hmm. have different translations. Um, but yeah, just that idea that they're, they're here. Sheeps and, or wolves in sheep clothing, yep. you know, sort of idea. Yep. Yeah, and, you know, the thing about it is uh, they're present, right, at the table with fellowship and uh, even can be, you know, breaking bread together, mm-hmm. but yet they have bad intentions. Mm-hmm. And see, those are the worst kind, right? It, where uh, they're not waving a flag saying, hey, <laughs> I'm a deceiver yeah. right, mm-hmm. coming down the road. Uh, no, they hide and have bad intentions, things that they're doing that we sometimes don't recognize mm-hmm. uh, until it's right in front of us. So I think that was the first thing I kind of resonated with me. Both the, both Jude and Peter, Jude talks about these false teachers. You know, they crept in unnoticed. And Peter talks about them um, secretly, you know, they kind of secretly found their way in. 
How does that happen? How, you know, how is it, whether it's in a church or a fellowship of churches or whatever, amongst believers, how is it that Satan just continues to get his influence and like secretly and unnoticed before we know it, boom, they're right here. Like, how does that happen? Obviously we need to be aware of it because no church is immune from it. No relationships are immune. No group of churches, no whatever. Like, how does that happen? How could that happen at Grace Baptist Church? Number one, could it happen? Absolutely. Yeah. And then how does it happen? Well, knowing the truth is what's most important. Mm-hmm. And when something comes to us that we can run, we, we always run everything through Scripture. Yep. And if, if it, it's not jiving with Scripture, then we know it's, it, that's not true. That's deceiving. It, it's, it's something that we need to steer clear of. And oftentimes, uh, you know, with whispers, you know, people talk all the time, uh, you know, you, you know, you're a pastor, Steve. So, you, you, you know, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with pastor on that. Right. Well, you don't have to agree with you, but they have to agree with what Scripture says. Yep. Yeah. So that's the way to test what's being said or what's being presented uh, is by Scripture, because the truth is what sets us free. Mm-hmm. So when people's opinions of the truth tend to carry more weight than the actual truth. Mm. You know, perhaps kind of these thoughts can creep in. And I even think the way, like thinking through how they both Peter and Jude referenced it, you know, you could, you could as a pastor, not you, but a pastor in general, <laughs> could preach just great doctrinal truths from Scripture for years and years and years. But as soon as they step off of that track, and, st- and so you can, like I'm thinking of some of the churches I've heard of where like, all right, this pastor's kind of gone off the rails a little bit and into more progressive and liberal theology. And it's like they've, they've been solid for years and years and built that reputation of being solid so that when they then start to go amiss, it, people just trust it. And so it's like you're saying, Robert, like the, the filter is scripture not the trust you have in the pastor because they've been right for 10 years because they could screw it up in year 11 mm-hmm. you know that's the, we're seeing that happen mm-hmm. um and so yeah making sure that everything jives with scripture is and not just on your relationship with the pastor or do you like the guy or not or whatever well it's the pattern <clears throat> there in acts that we saw in bria mm-hmm. you know where the people were like you know you think about it they were back-checking the Apostle Paul, who is writing half of the New Testament. They're like, hmm, we need to check what he's saying. You know, and if the Apostle Paul was (laughs) fact-checked with Scripture, (laughs) Pastor Steve needs to be fact-checked with Scripture. Amen. Amen. You know? and But we need to be doing church in a way that all of our people are equipped to back check with scripture <laughs> to say, does what Pastor Steve just said in that sermon, does that check yeah. with scripture? And I, as a pastor, need to have a humility about me that says, I, uh, 
I'll check. accept that. Yeah, check me. Check me on yeah. that as opposed to... Um, Take what I say and yeah. how, how dare you question me, Yes, right? Not taking that attitude. You know, but, um, yeah. whether that now the church is built on a personality, on a person yeah. or whatever, um, we need to have local churches and Christians that are like... Uh, yeah, not just going to take, and uh, because if we just take what a person believes, now it's based on, anyway, yeah. And but. I think going back to how Satan works <laughs> mm-hmm. with your, your comments on, well, you can't do that. You're not a pastor. No, you absolutely can do that. You're in dwell with the Holy Spirit. You are gifted to see what Scripture says through his work in your life. Absolutely, you can do that. Yeah, and you have the joy or the responsibility to be able to do that. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I and I, hopefully that's what we're talking about when we are wanting for our people to be twenty four seven worshipers. To be, you know, what you I want we want them to have the joy of having of being able to open up the Word of God mm-hmm. and rightly mm-hmm. interpreting it and uh, and having having that knowledge and having that understanding. And then it kind of spills into the alongside realm of when you are. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Digging in and then having a conversation about it—that's a long siding. Yep. Like, yep, that's a great, yeah. great transition into those two. You know, in my ministry or in our ministry, my wife and I—you know—I I hope to speak the truth in love so much so that it would make them uncomfortable to that they have to go discover it for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. don't get mad at me. God said it, right? I think that's a, an indication of a person's desire for righteousness in their own lives when they question things. Mm-hmm. And when I, Lord, did you really say that? God, is that really true of you? Mm-hmm. Because that that's just a uh, an indicator to me. It's like that 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 light that comes on on your dashboard if you got something going on. Hey, does that jive with me? Mm-hmm. Well, let me see what God has to say about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, that to me, I, I I like being challenged on those kind mm-hmm. of things cuz hey, I, that shows me that the person is really seeking righteousness in their own lives. Yep. What else are we seeing about these false prophets and our adversaries' attempt here in these verses and these passages? Well, it's primarily doctrinal. It's these people who come in and and twist twist the truth and and really the gospel. And so we see that with churches today, even like churches that are no longer preaching the gospel, the one thing that saves people, but also one thing that grows people. And so it's that hinders spiritual growth when. People come in who don't really believe. And even in Jude, it says, to the church contend for the faith that was delivered to you. And so people come in who are not preaching the faith that was delivered to them. And they come and they're no longer feeding the sheep. It inhibits the growth. And so the sheep are called to, even by Jude here, to contend for the faith, even when someone may come in. And, and so there can be that aspect where it's doctrinally the truth, the orthodox truth is not being preaching is rather distorted yeah i mean god's people are doctrinal people you know we we are people that are bound to a savior we're bound to jesus christ and we're bound to a book bound to truth bound to doctrine and it is discouraging when we when we see brothers and sisters and we see fellowshipping churches that won't outright say this, but by their practice, consider doctrine to be something that's unappealing, you know? Um, and 
and and ministry becomes pragmatic as opposed to orthodoxy orthopraxy not praxy orthodoxy you know truth and it and and to think that there's a part of this book that we have open before us that there's that there's parts and places in the bible that will hinder spiritual growth or will hinder church growth um is discouraging and i and i think our adversary will use that as an as a little small off-ramp to hinder the spiritual growth of God's people by developing churches that are going to that have this mind this practice of like for us to get doctrinal it, you know we're not going to appeal to this generation we're not going to appeal to our culture we're not going to appeal for God's people and inevitably it's a lack now of nourish they're undernourished believers mm-hmm. who are primed to be deceived and their spiritual growth opposed and hindered mm-hmm. or feeling like we have to redact parts of the of scripture sure. to appeal to whomever's listening and yeah. Yeah. just that i like teach the word preach the word right like not preach parts of the word just preach the word and like you're saying it's discouraging with churches that they'll skip over the hard passages because they're hard passages mm-hmm. but there's truth to be learned in those hard passages yeah. yeah. Again, uh, just you can't change the truth just because you don't like <laughs> that's it. That's right. Well, and it's like that's what we see. Yeah. Because false teachers will they'll identify mm-hmm. with Christ, but they don't want to live under His lordship. Yeah. Yeah. It's see, like there's a lack of moral goodness there. Yeah. We fight this with parenting too with our kids when they're young. It's like, no, you need to eat your vegetables. You need to eat your <laughs> protein. You need to eat. You know, you got to have these things. And when we as parents kind of give in and say. All right, you know, I'll let you have. Yeah, it, rather than fighting in an argument, we'll just let them eat the unhealthy things that they'll eat, just so that they can get food. And it's like, oh, we're setting our this next generation up nutritionally malnourished. Mm-hmm. And I think we can do that also spiritually. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that caught my attention here in both Peter and Jude. There was this perversion, you know, in Jude, he talks about a perversion of grace into sensuality. But Peter also brings out this idea of sensuality in in verses 2, 14, and 18. And he says this idea of being insatiable for sin. I think these false teachers and Satan's attempt to hinder and oppose God's plan of spiritual growth is these false teachers will appeal to our fleshly desires. Um, There is a, where they can take the scripture and will teach it and present it in such a way that it allows for our sinful desires to get satisfied. Mm. You know, and I, I, you look at the, uh, course of the church in America and other places with the whole, you know, the gender issues, the sexuality issues, it like we see that playing out right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you can satisfy sinful desires. It's okay. Mm. And it, it's a an appeal to it. It's like the end of Romans 1. Sure. You know, like not only telling you these things, but applauding those who do it mm-hmm. and encouraging. And it's a head shaker. Um, 
one other thing that I saw here, I don't know if you guys want to comment to this or not, but both in both of these passages, these false teachers driven by their own greed. Hmm. Um, and I think one of them, I think it was in Peter, just talks about, you know, they're driven for their own greed and they're using you for their own. So you have selfish interests. You know, these false teachers, pastors, whomever, creep into these churches and they use their people for their own benefit mm-hmm. and not truly serving them. Um, but let's, you know, I wanted to, we brought this up earlier, kind of keep moving in our discussion here. At the very beginning, not just of our podcast, but the beginning of the beginning, we see our adversary opposing God's good desires and plan for Adam and Eve. Um, and I think he continues to deceive in like ways. Mm-hmm. How do we see Adam and Eve being deceived? How do we see the deception? And what are the parallels today? Would you guys, well, how do you see him? Well, uh, with man being created to serve God mm-hmm. and to be in fellowship with God, and then you see the adversary coming to tell them, well, this is what you deserve. Mm-hmm. See, it's not about serving. It's about what you deserve all of a sudden, uh, according to the adversary. And we see that today. Oh, you deserve this. You deserve that. And what we deserve is death and separation mm-hmm. from God, but because of God's grace, right? Yep, <laughs> Jesus, yep. he sends to us. So that goes all the way back to what you just mentioned, Steve, about Adam and Eve. I mean, they're when they're serving and they're doing, they got their eyes on the, on God and walking and fellowshipping with him and the, in the cool of the garden, and then all of a sudden the deception, the deceiver gets in there, tells them a lie, and... He turns their eyes on. onto themselves. Exactly. You know what, hey, there's no one more important in this garden than you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, you, you can be like God. Who doesn't want to think they're more special than what they really are, right? That's right. Oh, you're, you're, you're it, man. You're it. This garden... Revolves around you. You know, is that not? Mm. I, he's still doing that today. Absolutely. You know, whether it's just a simple question we ask our kids. So what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> <laughs> when, why should we not ask them, hey, do you know what God wants you to be when you grow up? Yep. Have you thought about that? Um, <laughs> what else do we see in the garden? I think that's huge. I think we see that all the time. You know, life's about you. Yeah. You're at the center of your world. You do what's good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what's best for me. So we stop relationships or we change employments or we move to, because this is, this is, what, this is what's best for me right yeah. now. Oh, what about Ooh. that's your truth, mm-hmm. but that's not my truth. Sure. All right. <laughs> we hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else do we see? My mind goes back to what we've already talked about earlier with the, you know, did God really say, you know, is that what God really said? Mm -hmm. And the idea that kind of today you hear that I just can't imagine God, you know, would have this, this, uh, this statement on LGBTQ issues. I can't believe God would say fill in the blank, you know, and um, yeah, and we've already talked about that. Yeah. A couple of thoughts I wrote down. Well, God's way is not the best way, you know? So, oh, that's what God wants you to do? Uh, I don't know. There's, I think there's probably a better way. You mean I have to forgive? Uh, there's probably a better way. Serve? 
love. No, mm-hmm. other. I think God's way is not the best way. I think that's a temptation there. Um, you can't really trust God's provision, his protection, his good plan. Um, go ahead and sin. There's no harm. You're not going to die. You're not going to pay. Sin's not going to come. You'll Other people pay the consequences, not me. Um, anyway, I think those are some of the other things. But we need to get to what Second Peter, what Peter, in his whole letter, what can believers do to guard themselves against Satan's lies? I think we got to be fully aware that every one of these people here at Grace Baptist Church, Robert, where you're worshiping, your group of people, uh, the guys that you're being a chaplain for, every one of these believers need to realize, all right, I have an adversary, and he's working overtime to oppose and hinder the spiritual growth in Christ-likeness and sanctification that God's doing. I need to realize that. I need to see it in my culture. It's everywhere, all the time, constant. So what can I do to be on guard against Satan's, uh, his agenda and his attempt? And the first thing I have here from the first chapter of Peter's letter is to, well, we need to deepen our knowledge of and love for Christ. Amen. How is that important? Why is that important in guarding against our adversaries' lies? How is that deepening our our knowledge of and love for Christ? Why is that so important? Well, it's you know all Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. All, it, it's profitable. It, it, it's so that the that we can develop and we can become the people that God has called mm-hmm. us to be. And that's and was that Timothy. In Timothy, where mm-hmm. it talks about all scripture is, is beneficial. Mm-hmm. And if we don't know the truth, then we can't live in the truth. And what happens today is, too, people are afraid of change. And the adversary wants you to stay the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard the saying that <laughs> God loves me just the way I am, but he loves me too much to leave me that way. <laughs> right? Well, the thing about change is, I, I believe people change when they realize that uh, the pain that, that is caused from staying the same, when it becomes greater than the pain to change, people will change. Mm-hmm. You will change when it becomes so painful to stay the same because you're so frustrated, things aren't happening, you're not growing, <laughs> you're not becoming the man or woman that God is calling you to be. Well, it's because you're reluctant and resistant often to change. And that goes all the way back again to just being obedient. It's not about your ability, but just being obedient and trusting in God's word, <laughs> moving forward, standing firm on the truth, because again, the truth is what sets us free, and that's free to worship God for who he created us to be. Mm-hmm. There's a greater desire. Greater. You know, in terms of, you know, that idea of worshiping, you're recognizing the value and worth of something. And so if all we do is just get together on Sundays as God's people to worship and recognize that, it's inadequate. Yeah, That's just the starting block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's every single day recognizing that greater desire. And there has to be a greater desire than in our own hearts. We're driven by what we love. Absolutely. You know? And I think Peter's like, wait, we've got to deepen our love for Christ. We've got to love Christ so much. That we recognize, no, dude, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely wrong. 
I, you know, I have such a love for Jesus Christ and awareness that every other temptation is seen as, no, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got so much love for Jesus right now. Um, second thing he talks about is developing your character. And I think this flows a little bit of what you're talking about with the word of God. But I think it's interesting that Peter's like, you know, you need to add to your faith. I think that we don't think about it that way. Well, I got faith. Well, we gotta, he's like, you got to add to your faith. You've got to, it's, it's almost like he, faith is like the house in your heart. This is probably a bad illustration. But he's like, you got to furnish your house. You got to furnish your faith. You know, you, you got to add things to this that will develop your character. And he gives a whole long list, right? Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love, a sacrificial type love. But we need to be doing the things that develop our character. We need to furnish our faith. I agree. And, you know, also, uh, when it comes to our faith, it, it's not so much more that we need more faith. We just need more truth. Mm-hmm. The more truth we get into our hearts and our minds, because we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, and we're renewing our minds with God's word so that we think like Christ and we have the mind of Christ in us. So because of that, now my faith automatically gets stronger because I'm furnishing my home Mm -hmm. with, with the truth, and those are the pieces I need in order to become the man or in the case of a woman, the woman of God that God is calling me to be. Because the power of your faith is not in you faithing. Amen. It's in the object of your faith. That's right. You know? And the more we furnish and focus on that that object, I think the more we begin to be able to resist that. And the third thing here, we gotta deepen our knowledge and our love for Christ. We've got to develop our character. And Peter talks about diligently waiting for Christ's return. Um why is that so important in resisting Satan's attempt where we're just diligently waiting for Christ's return? Why is that important? Or how is that effective? Well, I think, you know, also we're, we're staying ready so we don't have to yes. get ready yep. for his return. You know, being ready at all times is what we're called to be because mm-hmm. we don't know when he's returning, but we do know that he is. Yes. Perhaps today. Could be today. Perhaps today. You think about that. If, if we woke up every single morning, like, and it goes back to deep in our love for Christ. If I, yes. if I had that deep love for Jesus Christ, and he's the greatest love in my life, and he's not here, but today he could be. Mm-hmm. Think about how that would change the way we go about our day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so often we're just uh, oblivious. Yeah, we go straight to the tasks of the day versus yeah. what's on the calendar. What's to think? Wow, he could be he could be here today. Mm-hmm. He could walk through that door, man. Today could be the day that in the snap, I see him. I don't. I think that that's a powerful, powerful motivation. Mm-hmm. So, any other thoughts before we wrap this episode up? All right, Robert, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks. For Let me take. Me. <laughs> A few minutes, and we're going to ask you some questions. We, we try to do this when our guests are with us. Is this the loaded question? These are the loaded questions, man. Um, 
What excites you about your ministry right now? Mm, that's a great. We're you know what I, I, our ministry as your ministry, you desire to see spiritual movements, you know, mm-hmm. of God, and we're starting to experience some of that uh, here at the end of our first uh, training camp, the uh, OTAs. We actually had a baptism, mm, awesome. which Praise was really cool. And, you know, to, to have a, a young man say, hey, I want to publicly make my profession of faith, and, you know, because salvation is the reality. Baptism is just a picture of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was really cool to see uh, other guys get up early in the morning on their day off, on their first day of on vacation until training camp started last week to spend some time to come and to witness this. Good. And because of that, we've seen we have like two or three more that say, hey, we want to get baptized as well. So that's kind of neat. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Opposite side of that, how do you see the adversary opposing your ministry? Well, there are others of uh, a different belief, uh, those who would oppose the Christian faith, who are, are constantly uh, adding their opinions and See, look, this is wrong, or I, I don't know about that, and well, I don't know if that's true, you mm. know, questioning. So they're always going to be there, but you know what? God always, in some way, uh, meets them where they're at as well, because our job is to stand firm in the truth mm-hmm. and to be consistent in who we are walking with. And because of that, they, they see our commitment, those who have made a commitment to Christ and, and stand firm in that and on that. It usually causes them to say, well, at least they're consistent. Yep. You know, they believe what they believe. Because everybody wants to believe something. But it's important about what you really believe. And that's in Jesus and who he is and yep. why he came and what he's done for us. So along those lines and thinking about standing firm on the truth, uh, what what are some passages of Scripture that... Uh, motivate you ground you uh that you can that you really stand firm on that you gravitate toward that you value that are important to you oh man first peter 5 2 mm-hmm. is one of my favorites i'm gonna i don't want to mess it up here so let me turn there real <laughs> fast because you know you get into a different version the yep, esv and yep. you know, whatever right but first peter 5 2 says this and this is kind of what i hold on to uh, for my ministry and it says Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. You know, most people would, you know, say, wow, you're, you're you know, an NFL chaplain and those guys make all that money. You, you hear that all the time. And Steve, you've heard me say it a million times. Money's not the problem. What they mm-hmm. worship can be the problem because yep. you can have money or not have money if you're worshiping the, the right thing it's not going to be a problem to you but i i take this very seriously and that they've entrusted their spiritual growth and development uh with me and i I want to protect that i want to guard it carefully and and i I spent a lot of time praying for these young men because they have a lot of living to do after football Mm -hmm. uh, prayerfully Uh, and so uh, it's important to me that it's a, a a flock but again you know, the flock has to show up for feeding times <laughs> yep. for the, in order to be fed. And we have faithful guys that do that. So it, it, it's important to me. 
Um, and we'll, we're going to have you back for another episode. So I got a whole bunch of shotgun questions we'll save for that one. But let me ask you, how can, uh, how can the people at Grace be praying for you, your ministry? Oh, just pray that, uh, you know, I would continue to trust God uh, in his faithfulness uh, to, for me to be able to serve his people. That's all. all right. You know, just stay, remaining faithful and steadfast and in the work of the Lord. So, all right. Yeah. Very good. So my challenge right now, after everybody who's listening to this episode, take a minute, pray for Robert Brooks, his family, his wife April, his kids, and uh, his ministry with, uh, with Cleveland Browns. All right, Robert, thanks for being with us, buddy. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Till the next episode, God bless. 